Hey, if you get your Bibles with you, why don't you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16. We're going to be looking at verse 16 as kind of a launching pad uh, passage for our message this morning. We're continuing on in a series where we're talking about how to free up space in our lives financially so that we have uh, more opportunity to become everything that God has called us to be. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Proverbs 16, verse 16, and here's what it says. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for our time together, and I pray, Lord, that as we're looking into your word and as we're talking about our finances, as we're talking about our priorities, those kinds of things, Lord God, that we would have eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that are open to whatever it is you have for us today. And so, Lord God, if there's anything of me that, that they should just not listen to, then pray, Lord, that you would just strike that from their memory. But anything that is truly of you, Lord, that it would be hung on to. In your name I pray. Amen. So if you're anything like me, if somebody were to ask you the question or ask a crowd the question, how many of you have ever done something stupid with money? Well, right here, I'd raise my hand and I guess that probably many of you would as well. If you raised your, if you didn't raise your hand, well, either A, because you're watching online, but if let's say you were in person and you elected not to raise your hand, I suspect you weren't being 100% honest with me and that's a sin. Lying's a sin. So most of us, if not all of us, have done something stupid with money, at least what we would regard as stupid. The simple fact is, is that uh, most of us, if not every one of us, has made some kind of financial mistake along the way in life. Nobody's being, nobody's batting a thousand when it comes to money, but for some reason, we're hesitant to be honest about it. Like we might say, yeah, you know what? I don't always make great financial decisions, but when there's this opportunity to be um, in a smaller environment with each other, we tend to be a little bit more tight-lipped when it comes to our cash, especially as we're coming down to specifics. The truth is that we could all benefit from some, from some solid financial wisdom. And in fact, wisdom is much more valuable than actual finances, according to this proverb that we just read. Like, let me read it again. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? Like we all know that gold and silver are valuable because they're tangible, right? Like we can, we can touch them, hold them, hang on to them, we can use them to buy things, all that kind of stuff. The problem is, is that wisdom, it's an intangible thing. We can't see it. We can't smell it. We can't pick it up at Target or Target, as we say here in Southern Manitoba. No one is advertising a buy one, get one free kind of language when it comes to wisdom. And yet we're told here that when it comes to the things that are valuable, it's far better, it's much better to have wisdom than gold or any other type of wealth for that matter. So why is wisdom better? Well, wisdom, you could say, is the combination of knowledge and understanding. It's one thing for us to have just simple understanding, but we may not have any knowledge uh, surrounding other things that come along with that. It's another thing to just say we have knowledge, but we don't necessarily have understanding when it comes along with it. When you bridge these two things together, what you have is this knowledge that has immediate practical application in terms of we know what to do with it, we understand it so that it impacts our everyday life. 
It's not just knowing something, it's understanding how to use that knowledge. And wisdom is important in every area of our lives. When we seek to not only learn about something and truly understand it, that's when we can act in wisdom. So think about the, an important relationship in your life. You met them, you got to know them a little bit better, you came to understand them, right? Over time, over spending quality time together, you've come to understand that person in that relationship. Think about how much richer your relationship would be or is because you've invested that time and that effort. It's one thing to know somebody, it's something different to add to that knowledge understanding. It's a richer relationship. It is a more fulfilling relationship. Our finances really not that different. It requires time and effort, not only to know how to manage our money, but also to understand the benefits of understanding it. And that's why wisdom is more important than having riches. You can have wisdom. And when you have wisdom, you will minimize your losses and maximize every gain. You hear that? When you have wisdom, you're going to minimize every loss and maximize every gain. Wisdom helps you to leverage every financial blessing in your life for the better and to help us be in control of our finances and not the other way around. That's what wisdom does. It helps us be the ones in control of it instead of it controlling us. And whenever we need a jolt of wisdom from God, again, one of the best places for us to start is in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom thoughts and statements and truths that Solomon put together. Now, Solomon didn't write all of the Proverbs, though he wrote most of them. And so from the wisdom of Solomon, we're going to look at what he has to say to be wise with money. So to be wise with money, I will, A, I'm going to make a plan. As we talked about last week, there are a lot of reasons why we spend money unwisely. The impulse to spend when we don't really need to is kind of a hard impulse to break for some. We talked about understanding how much we really need and to be content with that. And today I want to talk about the uh, just taking that idea a little bit further. If we're going to ever be wise with our finances, we need to start by controlling where our money goes. We need to know where it's headed. Now, I think there's too many of us that have no idea where our money is going. And so then we just spend and hope for the best. Or we, we keep a rough tally in our head. You know, like I should have enough money for that because I know I've got money going here and I know I've got money going here. But I'm not 100% sure where everything's at. We need to be sure about where everything is going. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And so when you read first here is that plans of the diligent will surely lead to an advantage. And the word plans will help us see what is meant here. The word actually means a thought or a purpose or intention. Uh, it gives us the notion of, of we're moving in a direction that we're prepared for. The idea is that we're thinking things through, considering their purpose and intention, and therefore laying plans that will not only plan an event, but also plan with a sense of purpose in what is to be accomplished, right? So there's this, this notion of we're just going to be thinking this thing through and we're going to be pushing forward into some kind of plan. 
Solomon's telling us that the plans laid with a sense of purpose and intention to live for God's glory and purposes are beneficial to us, right? And so when we plan to live out life, especially as it relates to things like our finances, and we do so in such a way that the goal is to honor the Lord and His purposes, then we benefit from it. They're not just haphazard plans. These are plans that are set in place with diligence. And the word here means the... uh, it gives this idea of something sharp. It's industrious. It, it, it can achieve what it sets out to achieve. It refers to those people who are living industrious lives that are sharp in their focus and intent. And the root word here, well, the root word is referred to as uh, like to sharpen a threshing sledge, right? And this is this farming idea used to cut the harvest, it was sharpened to make the job easier and more effective, right? You can well imagine that a dull blade is not going to cut well. And so then it's planning ahead, putting the labor involved to sharpen that edge so that it can produce what we needed to produce. A person might complain of the time spent on a whetstone, right? Sharpening that blade, sharpening that metal, but it's hard to work after all. It's, it's actually, it's hard work is what I mean. And it takes time to sharpen something well, right? Like it takes time. You got to put effort into it. You got to be slow. You got to be methodical with it. But if you're having to cut entire fields of grain, then you know that the moments you spend sharpening that tool are increasingly valuable. The sharper the tool, the better the cuts and the longevity of the sharp blade. So plans laid by someone who thinks through purpose and intent can make living life much easier, much simpler, and much more focused. These kinds of plans lead to advantage is the idea here in this passage. The word here means an abundance. It's, uh, it refers to an abundance of profit, of material, of harvest, of whatever the word refers to and modifies in its context. And in this context, it's certainly talking about the idea of, uh, of a financial profit, right? In this comparative there. It can also mean an advantage of or for a more favorable position. So a superior one to someone who's not planned or thought through the process or to set yourself up to be in a superior position than where you began. See, all of this idea of planning is to set ourselves up in such a way that where it's God honoring, we will be beneficiaries of it. It's going to benefit us to be more diligent. It's going to benefit us to be sharper. It's going to benefit us to be more disciplined and planned out. Living this way is compared to the person who lives in a hasty way. The hasty person is the person who prefers reacting to life rather than planning for life. So they're the person that that impulse shopping Uh, becomes very, very tempting, or sometimes just this is how they shop. This is how they spend money. I have it, I'll spend it. The problem is that reacting to our circumstances can often have us being led not by purpose and intent, but rather by whatever it is that is happening in front of us. When we live this way, the result, the scripture says, is poverty. Why? Well, because we're not probably making some of the best financial decisions, right? Like I'm going to spend money here instead of paying my hydro bill, right? And hoping that it's going to balance out somehow. Just as plans of the diligent man will serve to 
lead in abundance and an advantage for the person who's planning that out. The lack of planning and digital effort in doing something, a diligent effort in doing something, will eventually lead us to poverty. So you could say, and I heard someone say this to me, and I can't remember who it was, but someone said it really well in a very succinct way. It says, those who, plan to, uh, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And this is the idea that, that where there is planning, where there is diligence, it will lead to things that are beneficiary to us. Uh, but where there is a hasty pattern in our decision-making as it relates to finances, it leads to poverty, right? Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. That's the first thing. And that's an important one for us to, to grapple with. The second thing would be this, save for tomorrow. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but food, uh, fools gulp theirs down. Saving's hard. Why? Well, for some people, there simply isn't enough money coming in. And when we find ourselves in that situation, it can easily feel like there's no way to change it. It's important to remember that even with the one talent that we saw a couple of weeks ago, that the servant was given the one talent, God wants us to have faith in him to manage whatever it is that he gives us to the best of our abilities. And finding a way to think about either increasing our income or you know, through side hustles and, and maybe reducing our expenses or even asking for help, which is probably the hardest one. And these are ways that we can actively trust God and take control of our finances at whatever stage that we're at. For a lot of people though, you know, we just simply don't know where to start. We lack the knowledge and understanding on how to save, which means we can't act wisely. So to start, we need to admit that we don't know. We need to admit that we don't know. Uh, make learning about finances a priority. Like even if it isn't something that you're drawn to and it's not something that floats your boat, gets you excited, Commit to learning more about it. Look for easy and effective tools, right? Like your, your bank often, it, you, through your debit um, transactions, is able to tell you, hey, where are you primarily spending a lot of your money? I know when Jan and I first got married, we did what we call the envelope system. So when we got paid, we cast our check, right? Back in the day where you got a check to then go deposit, uh, we cast our check and we divided the funds up into these different envelopes that were, you know, one was for our rent, one was for hydro, one was for phone, you know, like all those different things. And we put that in there and we were never able to take out of there what was in there because that was for an intended purpose. It was planned for. Find easy and effective tools and find reputable sources of financial information. You get a lot of people who have a lot to say about finances, but not every source of information is great. So, Determine for yourself what becomes an authority in your life in terms of talking about your finances and then go and seek those out. Seek out people that you've seen have gone from little to much and, and they seem to put a lot of effort into it, a lot of planning, a lot of diligence. Talk to them. Ask them how they did it. And I guarantee you, they're probably going to pass you on to where they got their information. Um, we need to have a saving mindset. Whenever you save money, you're saying, I'm thinking about the future and I don't know what the future might hold for me. You're preparing for these unexpected things, right? The emergency funds kind of idea. You're putting some money in reserve for unforeseen problems and even opportunities, right? Because like we save not just for problems, but also for opportunities. 
You're doing a future you a favor by thinking about those, what those future needs could possibly be. Or you got to think about future you, not just present you. It's not the lack of faith in God. It's actually trusting in Him enough to listen to what He's saying to us in this verse. Be wise and safe. Most of the time, when we spend everything or more than everything, we're not really thinking about the future, right? And we're not thinking long-term. In fact, most bad financial decisions are always made um, thinking about only the short-term. You know, we're thinking about immediate gratification. To turn this around, you got to start thinking, we got to start thinking uh, and start asking ourselves questions like, how will I feel about this decision five to ten years from now? And that'll help bring some wisdom into our financial decisions, right? Like thinking about future us. Third thing would be this. Give to God. Now, I know that some of you, when you hear that, and you've heard churches and pastors talk about that a fair bit, I understand that what you're hearing sometimes is the church needs your money. Well, that's not what we're trying to communicate here. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, right? Listen, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with over, brim over with new wine. Look, full barns and full vats of wine. Now, I, I don't know many of you that have wine vats, but if you do, like you sound like you might then be a fun person and we got to spend some time together. But obviously, this means that big blessings would come our way if we just put God first in our finances, right? Like, that's what this is talking about. The, and, and it's interesting when you look at the way that the verse is, um, is framed, the, the structure of it, right? Like, so you honor the Lord with your wealth, right? So the Lord is primary, right? Have no other gods before Him, uh, that He is primary in our life. He's the primary focus of our life. So honor the Lord with our wealth. And then immediately following, it says the first fruits, right? So... Lord, first, with our wealth, first fruits of all our crops, and the crops is where the wealth in this passage come from. It's an interesting way that they, they try to help reiterate a point for the reader. So for us today, instead of saying barns and wine vats, maybe we should say things like full bank accounts and kitchen cupboards with plenty to share. So how do we act on this promise? Like, what do we need to do? Well, first and best is two words that really come out to me. We're to honor Him in a way that makes sense given all that He has done for us means that giving Him our first and our best in everything, including in our finances. The verse says that we should honor God by giving Him our first and best, not leftovers, not afterthoughts, not seconds. He's not into leftovers. We're not after we pay the bills and not after we buy this new release or grab that first cup of coffee. First, honoring God by giving Him before we give to any other areas of our lives is key to living in financial wisdom. In addition to that, like we ask ourselves questions like, how can giving something away be wise financially? Well, giving back to God reminds us that all that we have Well, it's God's to begin with. And when we remember that we are only stewards of the resources that God has given us, it means that we stress less about our money. Like he's got us covered because he's the one providing 
not us. Giving also fills us with a sense of well-being. And that sense of well-being lasts longer and it brings more joy and the thrill than the thrill of buying something new. This feeling of well-being can help us resist the pull in our lives nah, to try and fill life with possessions. When we spend less on possessions, we have more to save, more to invest, and more to give back. Biblical wisdom of making a plan, saving and putting God first by giving back puts us in this healthy cycle in our minds. It gives us a better relationship to our possessions and to our money. Like we have it, it doesn't have us. When it comes to our money, it's always about trust. And so we ask ourselves questions like, how are we going to trust? Are we going to trust our wisdom or are we going to trust God's wisdom? Are we going to trust God's ability to bless us and our plans and schemes? Are we going to, sorry, are we going to trust God's ability to bless us or are we going to trust our own plans and our own schemes? Are you going to trust God with your abilities? Or sorry, are you going to trust your abilities or are you going to trust God's supernatural ability to be able to be the provider? Like all of these things come around. And I get it. Like you've heard this stuff before. And, and what I love about the scriptures is that not only is it repetitive in a sense, meaning that um, there's a truth here that gets spoken over and over and over again so that we get the point. And James goes over to us and he says, listen, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. So if you've heard this before, my encouragement to you is, awesome, let's do it. Let's do it. Like I really hope and pray that we will trust God in everything that we have, including our finances, that we would trust Him enough to be able to say, listen, Lord, I understand that your wisdom is better than my wisdom, and so I'm going to make a plan. And not only am I going to make a plan, but on top of that, I, part of my planning, part of this relationship that I'm going to have to my finances, that I'm going to save for tomorrow, so I'm going to be doing good to future me. And then on top of that, in addition to this, I'm going to give. I'm going to give to you, God. I'm going to give you, out of the first fruits of what you've given me, you are going to get my best. You know, Scripture talks about this from the perspective of either tithing. Uh, some people are uncomfortable with that. The New Testament talks about the idea of uh, giving from a cheerful heart because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. There is no exemption in the Scriptures from giving as an act of worship. And some people might say, yeah, but I have nothing. Like I've got absolutely nothing, Rob. Well, and then Jesus talks about this widow that gives everything she's got. I mean, if anybody had reason to say that they had nothing to give, she did. And yet she saw as her responsibility to God to give back to him and trust in him to be her provider. Now, I'm not saying be irresponsible. But what I am saying is that the Lord has a plan and his plan works. He's smarter than us. He's wiser than us. He's a better provider than us. And so then we make a plan, we save for tomorrow, and we give back. That's what we do. My hope and prayer is that you will choose to trust God in all things, including your finances. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for our time together. And I pray, Lord, that as we walk through these truths, and that, Lord, as you have already communicated these truths to us, by others time and time again, 
that Jesus, today we will choose to honor you in them, that we will make a plan for our finances and not just live uh, by just following our whims, not just being impulsive. Lord, that we would um, not just make a plan, but Lord, that we would save, that we would save for tomorrow and consider future us, that we would consider the passages that tell us things, like that we would store up grain and production of things for tomorrow. Lord God, that we would also then be a people that would give back, recognizing that that you are the God who uses his people to bless other people and to expand his ministry. And so, Lord God, would you use us in this way? In your holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen.